Hey, y'all. You ever heard of an amazing young woman by the name of Zinzi Smith? Well, I have. And her and I had just an amazing conversation on Beyonce's internet. I will have you know that 20-year-old Zinzi Smith has her own black woman-owned business for an entire year now teaching spin classes. And let me tell you, she's enthusiastic. She wants the world to know that she's ready to help you shed them pounds from Thanksgiving and Christmas and help you keep up with that New Year's resolution that all of us middle-aged people like to make while we're still making them. So I, for one, am going to try and take one of her classes, just $15 for an online class with Zinzi Smith. She also teaches in person in studios in Brooklyn and in Queens and NYC. And all around, I got to tell you, I am just in awe of her. So you can reach out to her on Spin With Zin. That's Spin With Z-I-N on TikTok and on Instagram. And let her know that you heard it here on Black Fluid Poets Podcast. And you're trying to shed them pounds and keep up that New Year's resolution. You feel me? So give her a shout out. Let me know how it went. Hey, y'all. It's your favorite sibling. It's the unk. It's Black Fluid Poet. Coming to you live from my humble abode of books during this pandemic paradise where quarantines just ain't cute. I can't believe I'm still saying that two years later. Two years. Two years. Do you remember when this was supposed to be like six months and we were done? Two years, y'all. Two Two whole, count them, one, two, two whole years of this. I am beside myself with this damn Delta Crom, (laughs) Omni Delta, this, oh my goodness. Are we already down to O or did they just randomly come up with these names? Because like, that's a lot of, of, of different kinds of variants that we have been dealing with and Ugh, I'm just annoyed about it all. Just anno- it's 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 almost comical at this point if you think about it. But I'm trying not to think about it. But you know what? One good thing that came out of coronavirus is that it has enabled me to create money at home. And um, although it's still not enough to cover my bills. And thank you, by the way, for some of the generosity of some of you that enabled me to keep these things going. Um, it has shown me that it is possible uh, to stay home and create and influence and still be able to pay my bills, which is a nice thing. And that's all I've ever wanted. I've, oh, I have rarely, you know, sometimes when, you, when you're on, a, you know, you just... I'm in my Uber, I don't drive. So I'll be in my Uber and we're on the highway and I look up, I see a billboard where the lottery's up to like 385 million. And it's at those moments I'm like, wow, what would it be like to have the, enough money to be the equivalent of whatever's in Jeff Bezos' wallet right now? Like that would be just amazing. It'd be amazing to have you know, after taxes, somewhere around $170 million. Like, that's a lot of money, man. Wow, that's a lot of money. But, like, nobody needs that much money. Um, I've always wanted to just be satisfied. I've always wanted to be able to pay my bills without stress. And I'm getting there. And, and I'm, I'm happy about that. In other news, 
Yo, your favorite fam is now a master of fine arts. I graduated from grad school, y'all. And yo, let me tell you, that, I was clawing at the end. I was drained. I really thought about not going in this semester. I just didn't have it. I was like, I don't know, man. Maybe I should just take a leave of absence. I was, yo, your homie was going through it. You know what I'm saying? Like, this has been seven years of work. And and I'll tell you, um, it. I've, I've talked about coincidences, quote, unquote, before. And like, I think about everything that led up to me going to college. And it was during some of the most humbling, it was during the most humbling time in my life when I had to come face to face with my own misogyny and my own toxic masculinity. And I was basically thrown out of the community I was a part of because I was so damn problematic. And it's, it's just, it's, it's funny in a way, like peculiar, not ha-ha funny, but it was funny in how as, I, as soon as I got to college, I had lost my mind. Like, just completely had lost my mind. I was on the brink. And let me tell you, education saves lives. And I'm not talking about my own necessarily, but like, in 2014, I believe it was, I, I believe it was Eric Gardner who had been murdered. And... I had lost it. I was really on some, like, fuck it. We just need to start shooting cops. Like, I was, I was there. I was, I was on some shit. Like, we have tried everything else. And I remember going to the African American Studies Department, and I sat down with the chair of the department. And I must have been in school maybe a week, and I was in tears, man. Um, I had. When I tell you I had lost it, I mean, my hands were shaking. I was thinking about how easy it would be to buy a gun. Um, Like, I was just at this, I was just at a loss. And mind you, I had just been completely abandoned by the community I was a part of because of my own shit. And so at this point, like, my, my wife at the time was like, look, you've always wanted to go to college. Like, just go to college and start there. And so I went. And this director of the African American Studies Department made me rethink what I was feeling and how I was thinking. And he gave me new perspective. And then um, somewhere, you know, within that first semester... I had started thinking, I'd I'd heard the word feminism quite a few times. And anyway, to make a long story short, while I was in college, I I took a feminist theory class. Then I took an intro to feminism. Well, I took the intro to feminism first, and then I ended up in a feminist theory class. Then I ended up in a transgender studies class, the first of its kind in the country. Shout out to Dr. Merle Bean. Um... Shout out to uh, Dr. Archinopathic, who was my feminist theory professor. Um, there, there's so many. I mean, there was just so many professors. Now, mind you, the first time someone's like, hey, why don't you take this intro to feminism class with me? And I was like, intro to feminism? They don't want me there. 
And they were like, what are you talking about? I'm like, ain't that a class with like a bunch of girls with like combat boots and crew cuts? Like they, they ain't trying to see me in that class. They, I'll end up getting cursed out in the first week. That's where my head was, y'all. That's what I thought of feminism. I thought there was just going to be a bunch of white girls with mohawks who were lesbians who just wanted to talk about how awful men were. Man, was I wrong. Like, some of that stuff actually did happen. But it was all valid at the point, you know. At the time, whatever subject we were discussing, it was valid. And, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. And when I think about college and I think about my education... I don't necessarily think about the books. I don't think about uh, the grades. None of that means anything at this moment. I think about the sit-down discussions I had with professors that were enlightening for me because I was humble and honest about who I really was, which gave them room and space to challenge me on my thoughts. And I'm grateful for the professors that were patient, that kind of giggled when I said some really ignorant shit, but they could see I was sincere and I wanted to know what was wrong with my own thinking. And it was in college at a Take Back the Night rally that I rediscovered and re-remembered my sexual assault And it came to me with all of the education in feminism, in gender studies, in women's studies that I had. And it was the first time that I had actually cried about my sexual assault, sitting in this dim uh, convention hall room where people were taking turns telling their story. And up until that point, all I really thought about was the people I assaulted. my, my sexually coercive behavior. And then it hit me where I learned it. And it was from my sexual assault. And all of these just epiphanies, man, like, you know, when I say I, I got my grad school degree, people are like, yes, I'm so proud of you. But nah, like it isn't just this two years of grad school. Y'all, for the last seven years, I have had a mental and academic overhaul. And the things that I picked up in college from professors just sitting in their office having a chit-chat, those were the moments that shaped me, that really, really shaped me. And shout out to BCU, man, because their uh, liberal arts their um their social sciences the 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 professors their staff it, it was just incredible and i'm so grateful for all the black professors that vcu does employ it's still not enough it's still not enough there's still only like 3% of the school has black professors but a lot of them are in the liberal arts department And I mean, in the social sciences department, and I'm grateful for every one of them. Because it was one thing to learn, but it was another thing to learn from a black professor. And it was even another thing to learn from women of color. So 
shout out to the diversity that VCU does have in their faculty. They still don't have enough, but they, they have some, you know. And I remember I wanted to go originally, like I didn't know how everything worked. I wanted to go to grad school to work with Patricia Smith. And she was working at this school called Sierra Nevada College. And I remember I, I hit her up and said, hey, could you find out if I could attend their school without a bachelor's degree? And she was like, okay, yeah, I could look into that. And she said, no, they said no. Okay, so I guess I was going to have to go to undergrad. Now, I didn't know how to apply for school or anything. But uh, a person who was in the admissions department so happened to be a woman who was at my TEDx talk that I did in Richmond, Virginia. And as soon as I walked in, she goes, I know you. And she, um, she made things a little smoother for me to get into my undergrad. You know, she really was very supportive. Um, <clears throat> and when I think about graduating from grad school and having this MFA, I think about all the moments during my education when I was in tears and I was ready to quit. When the work would seemed endless and unbearable and sometimes tedious and I'm like why the fuck do I have to do this <clears throat> and I think about the professors that shared their college experience with me you know and I think about uh, the people the faculty who admired me coming to school you know um, late in life and the students who respected me and the friends I made and oh, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for college. I'm so grateful for college, y'all. Because let me tell you, I was on some like, man, I was, I was just so done. I, I was so full of anger and resentment and <coughs> confusion and if it wasn't for those professors, I don't know where I would be right now. You know, I, I really don't. I don't know where I would be right now. Oh, but yo, I graduated. I have a grad degree. And not a day after I graduated did someone say, hey, they need a creative writing teacher at this school near you. Would you consider it? And I was like, fuck yeah. Hell yeah, let's do it. Um, and then like, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready. Um, I, I, I just feel like this, I feel like a world closed, but another world opened. You know how people talk about when one door closes, another one opens. I hate that saying, but I do feel like this chapter of my life was perfect. And leads perfectly in to the next chapter. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like a coincidence. It wasn't a circumstantial one door closing, another one opens. It was like when the door to my education closed behind me, they gave me a key to the door in front of me. You feel me? It led right into it. It was, it was a perfect transition, you know? 
my life, God, you know, when when I get to these places, these um, these these milestones, I can't help but start reflecting on all the people who were so instrumental in my life at so many different points of my life. I'm so grateful for all of them. They have no idea how grateful I am for them. But I am. I'm truly grateful for all of them. (sighs) So, now I am 51 years old. And I look good for 51, mind you. I look good for 51. Thank you very much. Um, 51, and I'm about to start this career in writing and teaching. And I remember people telling me that like most writers' careers don't even take off until they're around my age. And when I was in my 30s and I got into writing, I was like, oh, that's bullshit. That's a cop out. They just didn't have what it took. And now I'm like, I see it now. I totally understand it. I totally see it. And I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Like, I've heard people say that, but I could never have done, written, survived, endured any of the things that I'm doing right now when I was 20. Like, at first, you know, I graduated and in my head, I'm like, so what? You should have did this shit back in your early 20s, blah, 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 blah. But hold on, hold on. Hold on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me go back to 18. My mother was in prison. My dad was in the street hustling and dying from the virus and smoking crack. My foster uh, mom just told me I had to move out because the Division of Youth and Family Services was closing my case and without that money she couldn't afford to keep me there and I, there I was alone I was alone there was no place I had no family I had nobody who could really take me in I had no job skills except for working in some retail store and in, in, in the mall and even then, I, I was bad at, at being consistent at going to work. I, I, I wasn't ready for the rigor of, of higher ed, you know. At one point, I did try, but I, I, I didn't have the organization skills. I didn't have the humility to listen to other people and follow direction, um, I'm still full of anger. And anger really gets in the way of thinking. It gets in the way of, of finding a solution, of, of being a problem solver, you know? And so things went the way they were supposed to go, the way they needed to go. I can't tell you how many people have messaged me and said, you know, you've inspired me to go back to school. That wouldn't have happened if I finished school in my 20s. 
Like the universe knows what it's doing, dog. It knows what it's doing. Like my life has changed dramatically. I never would have read Bell Hooks, James Baldwin. Uh, you know, I, I never would have uh, read. Um, I mean, um, so many other writers. <laughs> it's, it's not coming to me right now. But um, a lot of queer theorists, a lot of books on politics. Um, I never would have considered uh, the aspects of history that I studied. I never would have really learned about the Haitian Revolution. I never would have um, thought about how poetry works in a revolution. I never would have considered the, the historicity behind literature. What does it mean to be a part of the canon? Oh. I mean, I never would have been able to think critically, to look at something and, and really unpack it. College has truly changed me. And I can't tell you how many young students I spoke to about riff they were having with their parents and what they should do and <coughs> being able to sit down with them and share with them my experiences of my life at their age and, and the difference that that made, you know? God, I... I learned so much about myself in college. And so Patricia Smith was like, nah, you need this undergrad degree. So I get the undergrad degree and she's still teaching at the same grad school when I'm done with my undergrad. And I have a conversation with the director and um, you know, I'm like, yo, I just want to work with Patricia Smith. Whatever that takes, just tell me what to do. And I remember they gave me a scholarship to help me with, with the bills and stuff. And like, it was really happening, y'all. Like, it was really happening. I was sitting in a room learning from, hands down, the most incredible contemporary poet right now. I mean, hands down, brilliant. The most brilliant poet on the planet is a black woman named Patricia Smith. And the things that that woman taught me, not even in conversation. She's, she's taught me about conversation. You know, she's taught me and we've had discussions. But what she did for me in editing just one of my poems, I was like, wow, I never would have thought of that. Like she just, she's just brilliant, man. Just brilliant. Y'all, seven years. Like this... You know, when people, if you if you've never graduated from college, let me let me explain something. Even graduating from high school, I don't I don't care what it is. When you get to that milestone, it wasn't just the time you spent during that experience. Like when I graduated from grad school, it wasn't just the two years I spent in grad school. It wasn't even the the four and a half years I spent in undergrad. Yes, four and a half years, almost five, because. Because your uncle over here had to take way too many damn classes and 
I had three different minors and I man, I was trying to do it all. They threw me out of ECU because I tried to stay another semester just so I can get a triple degree. Um, I was a triple major. I had African-American studies, gender, sexuality, and women's studies in English. And then I had uh, minors in sociology and, um, well, originally I had minors in sociology and gender, um, women, gender, women's sexuality studies and creative writing. But then I had enough credits to where I was a double major in African-American studies and English. And then, and then at the end, I had enough credits to be a triple major with two minors. Man, they were like, John, if you don't get the hell out of this school, you don't need all these degrees. Get out of here. <laughs> but it would have been dope. I ain't even gonna lie. It would have been dope. And I can still go back and get the mother one. So don't sleep on your boy. I got time now. I got time. Feel me? Um... Oh, excuse me. That was my foot. Ouch. But what I want to say to you, to my listener, and I need you to hear me. And this is coming from a person who was the youngest of many children in a two-bedroom apartment in the projects with a mother drinking herself to death, angry as fuck, and a father that was nowhere to be found. A mother who ended up in prison during your adolescence? Asthma, lung surgeries, man, drug addiction, abandonment, just lost. I was completely lost. Need you to hear me. You can do anything you want to do. That is the most cliche line of bullshit I've ever heard, but listen to me. It's true. It's really true. It's not easy, but the answers are simple. The solutions aren't easy to, to, to create, right? But they're possible because it's like, well, you know, I want to go to school, but like my spouse doesn't agree with it. We should be doing it. Leave them. What? Leave my spouse? Yeah, leave them. Leave them. If they don't support your dreams, walk away. Now, that's a simple solution, but it ain't easy. Um, there were so many times that I could do the thing I wanted to do, but it would have required sacrifice in another area that I just wasn't willing to make. And that's all well and good. Just be honest with myself. The only reason why I haven't done it is because I'm not willing to give this up to do it, right? When it came to my education, I was willing to give up everything and anything I had to give up, even people, to get it done. And in the end, I had to give up some people to get it done. But I know because I remember being like 17, 18 and bitter and I had just recently gotten clean and I had this, uh, this guy in my life named Joe and Joe, man, I used to complain about being poor and, you know, people were born rich. They don't just get that money. And Joe took me for this, for a ride through like this millionaire part of New Jersey called Alpine and man, 
shit, these houses were big. You feel me? Like hotel-sized houses for like five people. And he said, John, you could have this if you really wanted it. And I was like, man, look, poor people like me don't get money like that. He said, sure you can. You make money your top priority. You put money before everything else and you will have an unfathomable amount of money in your life. Look, look at your girlfriend. You, you, you end up with some of the most beautiful girls. Now, 17, that's why I'm using the word girls. But he's like, you always end up with the most beautiful girls. And it's because a beautiful girl is more important than all these other things to you. Now, the relationships don't last because beauty is usually your top priority. Mind you, I was 17. He wasn't lying. That, that was the truth. He was speaking some truth. But everything that I made most important is what came to fruition. I wanted to get clean. So getting clean became more important than anything else in my life at that time. And I was able to get clean and stay clean. When spirituality in my early 20s became more important than anything else. Anything that had to do with my spirituality was imperative. And anything that went against it, people, behaviors, situations, I walked away from them. The things that are in my life are in my life because I chose them to be. Now, I'm struggling with bills. I ain't got a lot of money, but it's because poetry is so important to me. <clears throat> I could have got into politics. I could have got my MBA. I could have started getting into finance, and I could be doing a whole lot better. The man ain't holding me back. I am choosing a different direction than capitalism. And that makes it a little more palatable when I think about my financial circumstances, you know, when people are like, oh, why, how are you so positive and you're struggling so much? It's because I understand that these are choices I've made. Good, bad, or indifferent. This is the life I've made for myself. And I don't have a lot of money because having a lot of money wasn't the most important thing. I'll tell you what I do have. I have the respect of a lot of people in my life. And that means so much to me. From somebody who was literally thrown out of their community because of my problematic behavior, to have the respect of people in my life that I admire, I, I wouldn't change that for the world. I would not change that for the entire world. Remember to love yourselves today, y'all. And if you fall short, Remember, you can start your day over at any time. But this is your fam, Black Fluid Poet, a.k.a. John S. Blake, signing off. And we're going to have some more talks and some more podcasts. Please consider subscribing to the podcast at anchor.fm um, because I really do want to make this a bill-paying uh, opportunity in my life. I want this to be able to pay some of my bills. Um, so please do consider subscribing. And... Um, Please do consider listening to other uh, episodes of the podcast besides this one if you haven't already because there's advertisements on every podcast and every time you listen to it, I get paid. Holla! Um, 
And if you know of any businesses that would like me to advertise for them on here, please let me know and I can reach out to them. Um, or they could find me uh, at TikTok at Black Fluid Poet or um, J.S. Blake the Writer at Gmail. If you know of any lectures, any classes, anything that I could be a part of, panels, let me know. Um, it would be my honor. And this is me signing off. As a master of fine arts. Yeah.